Hey everyone, Justin's nephew Jackson wants to tell you where to go if you want to support the show. Yeah. Pay, Pay. Jury. Daily. Daily. Dot com. Dot com. Nailed it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Justin Robert Young program. That is Jerry Daly. We are uh, settling back in here. I think the jet lag's almost over for Ashley. We're going to talk, talk a lot about Ashley on this show because she had some misadventures out there in Italy. But, you know, really the only thing for me that's happened lately has been that I've been waking up a little earlier. Which hasn't really been all bad, you know. I just been waking up before my alarm, like you know, getting to getting up at like five thirty in the morning. Sometimes even earlier, like five fifteen. I'm feeling uh feeling good, feeling good. Got up today, and then uh, took my walk down uh, through Lake Merritt. First time I've walked through Lake Merritt since I've been back. It is the right of summer here in Oakland, California. We're gonna be talking about a lot of what makes Oakland unique here today. But one of the things, and, and for the final time this summer, we are being visited around our precious lake by ESPN's flagship argument show, First Take. They take over the Lake Chalet restaurant each year. And, uh, you know, 5.30 in the morning, they pack in a bunch of sports fans. And then there is the bloviating of Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, Molly Kimes. But it's so funny because when you're walking around the lake, you know, with, with the water uh, is, is flat, you can hear like everything. So you're across the lake and you can literally just hear echoing the, the hot takes sizzling. In fact, I don't know why there's not evaporating water coming off. The uh, uh, ripples of Lake Merritt. The geese are chased clear across the lake because there's so much cheering, so much noise, and such incendiary hot takery from <laughs> Stephen A. Smith and, and and Max Kellerman. It is fun though. I don't know. There's just that's one of those things that I've always uh, I've always enjoyed. It just kind of anchors my year. I just know when it is because the Golden State Warriors continually make it to the NBA Finals. But this will be the last year because the Warriors are moving to San Francisco. They're moving from Oakland to San Francisco. So I presume that even if they were to continue to make the Finals in perpetuity forever, that now first egg would be somewhere in San Francisco, which will be kind of a shame. Because it, 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 I'm sure they'll be in some fancy-ass building in San Francisco. You know, I'll be overlooking the Golden Gate Bridge or something like that. It'll be very picturesque. But it won't be the 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 banquet room of first take. Uh, 
or I'm sorry, the Lake Chalet, which by the way is the shittiest service in Oakland. All right, let's get back into Italy story. So when we were in Sicily, it was really the only way that we could get around to rent a car. Sicily isn't uh, super train tracked up. There's not really a island wide mass transit system. And so otherwise, we would pretty much just be relying on our family out there to drive us around. And that felt a little unfair considering how much of the island that we wanted to see and we wanted to spend overnight uh, uh, trips in, in a few of them So uh, you know, we decided early on Before we were before we went out there That we were going to rent a car Now in the research that Ashley did Ashley really spearheaded all this She figured out That There was A problem with renting a car And that is That most of the cars That are rented Are manual now, that's kind of a problem because normally if we're out on vacation somewhere and we rent a car, I'm the one driving. That's not the case if it's a manual because I haven't really driven a manual since I was 15, 16. I learned on a manual and that was pretty much it. Since then, I've had automatic cars. So Ashley was going to have to drive if that was going to happen. And so we got a manual car. Ranted it. And then next thing you know, we are are traveling around. We're driving down from Palermo where we flew in to San Cataldo, which is where our family was. Spend a couple days in San Cataldo. Go do some touristy shit in that area. That is the Agrigento area. Valley of the Temples. The Turkish Steppes. And then we headed out to Satacusa. Syracuse. That, that is the namesake for the town I went to school in. It's named for the Sicilian town of Syracuse. Now, here's the problem. Ashley, every once in a while, gets uh, uh, sinus headaches, specifically when there's a lot of travel involved and she has a hard time equalizing her ears when she's on flights, that kind of stuff. And Sicily is a very mountainous region. There's a lot of different elevations. You're constantly going up and down hills and mountains and valleys and shit like that. So on the road to Syracuse, she develops a little bit of congestion. And we're hoping that it's just kind of like a cold mixed with the failure to kind of equalize pressure and stuff like that. But after a while, Ashley begins to fear the worst, that this is indeed a sinus infection. Now, this would be a real bummer for a couple different reasons. The first of which is she'd have a sinus infection on vacation. The second of which is that the solution to clearing up her sinus infection would be that she had to get on antibiotics. And considering that we're on vacation and we're doing shit like sitting on a beach and drinking a bottle of wine or going to a winery or finding the coolest you know bars that we can find in all of these towns that we're going to, that would mean that she couldn't drink. So she holds off, she holds off, she holds off. But one night, there in Syracuse, she has a real bad night. She's tossing and turning. She the, the, the congestion becomes really bad. So she wakes up like a woman on a mission, deciding that she's going to go head in 
to a Italian doctor, get prescribed antibiotics so she can just take it and and be ready to roll. So she does. Gets in a cab. I'm still asleep. Gets in a cab. Goes to an Italian hospital. And it is off the beaten path. You know, well, by and large, if we stick to the touristy areas, there's somebody that speaks English or at the very least is understanding of reading your Google Translate shit, right? But she is in local Saracusa. This is not tourist friendly. So the very kindly cab driver uh, says, hey, look, you're not going to know how to get a cab. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to walk. I'm going to park right now. You pay me for the trip out. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to help you navigate this hospital. And uh, I'm going to get you to the person that you need to talk to. And then when you're done, just come on out. I'll drive you back. Sweetheart of a man. Shepherds are in. Starts talking to the doctor. Now, you know, I don't want to get, you know, I got a whole show where I talk about politics, so I don't want to get political about the the differences between healthcare systems and everything. But apparently, here's how it works out there in Italy. You walk in, talk to a doctor, doctor uh, prescribes you uh, stuff, and then that's it. So she walks in. Apparently, it's barely an uh, examination. Like, the doctor doesn't even look in her ears or anything like that. <laughs> Like she's like, all right, what do you do? Uh, congestion? What do you think you have? A sinus infection? All right, cool. Here's a prescription for some antibiotics. But a bing, bang, boom, out of it. So she gets, Ashley does, two pieces of paper. One, a prescription for the antibiotics. And the other, a slip of paper that will be used to pay for her trip to the doctor. Now, you might think that once you have a sheet of paper that would have you pay for the doctor, that you would go somewhere else in the hospital. And indeed, that was Ashley's instinct. She is then informed by somebody at the hospital that, no, 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 no. You do not pay for your trip to the doctor here at the doctor's office. No. You pay for it at the post office. And so, we went about getting her her, uh, her uh, antibiotics that day, and then at, at a pharmacy. There's a lot of pharmacies in Italy. I noticed that. It's like a pharmacy every two blocks. They have green signs, green cross signs, which is weird because the green cross sign in America at least when medical marijuana was a thing, meant medical marijuana, which I would assume would lead to some very confused Italian tourists. I digress. Eventually, we decide to go to the post office on the way out of Syracuse to pay for her doctor visit, which costs five euro. Show up. Post office is kind of more like a DMV. It's got a number-taking system like a DMV. They apparently handle a lot of shit at the post office in Italy. You know, it's kind of like iTunes was. R.I.P. iTunes. But, you know, at a certain point, I think they just kept stapling things to do at the post office. And now it's this unwieldy beast where you do a million different kinds of business. 
But eventually we wait, we wait, we wait. It takes a while, too. It's like 45 minutes. And eventually her number gets called. And uh, there's a dude there. And he's like, doesn't know exactly what's happening. Ashley's trying to explain it with the Google Translate. Hands him the piece of paper. And this man, I tell you, dear listener, is vexed. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. He is very confused. So he opens up his phone, which has porn on it. But once he moves out of the porn, no lie, for real, he had had porn on it. It was very funny to me. He goes and calls somebody. No luck. And he is just pacing back and forth. We have no idea what the problem is. Eventually, he explains through our Google Translate program that what is missing on that sheet of paper that went from the doctor's office to Ashley to the post office so we can pay the five euro for her trip to the doctor was missing a number that was supposed to be written down by the doctor. This is bureaucracy just to such a comical degree for me. So literally, because the permit number was not written on the temporary permit to go that needs to be taken to another official government agency, they missed out on $5. So we left Italy defrauding the Italian healthcare system for five euro. Get wrecked, Paisan. Let's talk about a government that works for you. Oakland has become the second city in the United States to legalize magic mushrooms. We read now from the Daily Beast, a story by Jamie Ross. Oakland has followed the lead of Denver to become the second city in the United States to legalize the use of magic mushrooms. The city council voted unanimously Tuesday to decriminalize adult use and per, uh, possession of all psychoactive plants and psilocybin. Um, I know how to say this. Psilocybin. Psilocybin fungi. Councilmember Noel Gallo, who introduced the resolution, said the move will allow the local police to force a police force to focus on serious crimes. Not that I mean, come on, Lord. Oakland PD for all that it has done wrong. I don't know exactly how hard they were cracking down on ma- magic mushrooms, but I guess look, I mean, if they stop somebody at a traffic stop, you know, contraband is contraband. Some caveats were added to the resolution, though. Amendments including the warning that mushrooms are not for everyone and that people don't go solo when trying them out for the first time. Ethnogenic plants and fungi are tremendous for helping to enable healing, particularly for folks that have experienced trauma in their lives, said Carlos Plazola, chair of the group Decriminalize Nature in Oakland. Uh, I don't know where this leads. I don't know if at this point that, that dispensaries will start selling magic mushrooms. I will say this anecdotally, that at a certain point, uh, uh, an acquaintance of mine had uh, uh, 
issued, it told me, like, hey, look, I'd like to find magic mushrooms. I'd like to find psychoactive mushrooms. At which point I was like, oh, well, shit. Um, you know, why don't I just, you know, inquire? So, you know, I got a few friends that that might, you know, that that are folks who might be into that kind of stuff. And so I poked around. I'm looking for mushrooms, you know. And I searched high and low. I found, uh, you know, I people that are my age, that are older. I, I went to a millennial. You know, I, 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 I knocked on all possible doors. There were no mushrooms to be had for whatever reason. And you would think that in a place like the Bay Area that mushrooms would run wild. And yet they were in fairly short supply. I was shocked. I, I, you know, consider me gobsmacked. I had to come up empty on that on that uh, particular case. I was just like, look, I just I can't get it. Although maybe now, maybe now there will be the second uh, the second coming of, of, of psychoactive magic mushrooms here in Oakland. Mushroom tourism will bloom throughout the city. I don't even know what that would look like. In fact, the more I think about it, the more I don't. I don't know. Maybe they would stay in the woods. You come on over to Oakland, go out into the redwoods, touch a tree, be high as fuck. I don't really need you out here on these streets. I don't need you. I don't need somebody in a bar who I think is doing okay, and the next thing you know, they're screaming about how my eyeballs leaking into my mouth. Right? I don't need that. I don't know why I got so defensive. Got a ton of email uh, about our conversations about butts up and red ass. We got a, a, a few emails here of uh, people explaining the rules. I'll, I'll take Islander Steve's email first. Holy shit. Insert pick of Ben Kenobi with the line. No, that's a name I haven't heard in many years. As an elementary school kid growing up in the Bay, we used to play the game butts up occasionally. It was kind of like a variation of dodgeball in that a bunch of kids would line up against a handball wall and we were bent over facing the wall with our butts up and out so as to minimize the chance of getting pegged in the face. One kid would be behind the furthest line of the handball court and try to throw the ball at the kids lined up on the wall. Whoever got hit was out and the kid would continue throwing until they missed, at which point the last person who got pegged was the one who would take over as the thrower. My wife, who's your age and also grew up in the Bay Area, had never heard of this game either. I think it was a different era. I'm the same age as Shwood, so I'd run it by him to see if he'd heard it. Chances are good, I think. This also reminds me of another vari variation of dodgeball we called Smear the Queer. Jesus. Note this was back in 1982 to 85. It was kind of like dodgeball without teams. One person was it, and everyone had to scatter, and usually you had to stay on the back blacktop paved area while one of you, well, uh, one was trying to peg you. Have fun researching that one. You want to know what, Islander Steve? I kind of think you did it for me. 
BioCow also wrote in his rules uh, for butts up. There were two different rules for the butts up portion. Ground or no ground. Ground meant you were allowed to try and bounce the ball off the ground and or wall to hit the guy in the nuts. A bit dangerous as it sometimes resulted in face shots. We loved this game for almost two years before the schools shut it down. This was 1989 in Redwood City, California for reference. Glad you had a great vacation, but I'm glad you're back. And finally, Windwalker Scoop wrote in about British Bulldog, one of the other games I had no idea about. So I thought I'd explain British Bulldog to you as you sounded unsure about it on today's show. I have to preface this by saying, as far as I know, it's no longer played and is banned in most schools due to injuries. The basics of it are you have one man in the middle and in front of him a group of people. He has to capture somebody when they run past him before they hit the safe zone. If you are captured, you now have to help the person in the middle to capture more people. The last person standing now is the man in the middle. There's a variation of this uh, game called Germs versus Hankies. In this game, you have two teams and an umpire. The umpire commands the teams forward and then commands one team to get the other building team in a similar way to Bulldog. Well, I feel very, very, very educated. The other big topic yesterday was about USA Pizza. Cujo writes, I sent, I spent a semester in Venice last spring. American pizza was sold across the city, mostly at the numerous and nearly identical kebab shops that have cornered the market on Venetian fast food. The pizza I saw was topped with hot dog slices and french fries, uh, but did not have the mayonnaise, barbecue sauce, or ketchup. I get the feeling that the American pizza was aimed at non-American tourists. Venice is visited in droves from India and China who may jump at the opportunity to try something American, even though I've never seen a pizza with hot dog slices and french fries in the States. So there was one that was called an American pizza that did just have that Cujo, but the USA pizza was the one with all the other mayonnaise and barbecue sauce and shit. And finally, Ken writes, I believe the reason that Italian pizza put such an abomination on their menu, that Italian pizzeria put such an abomination on their menu is to troll Americans. Does that count as a racist joke? I guess I always think of the citizens of America and Canada, my home and native land, as a culture rather than a race. Anyway, here are my culturally insensitive pizzas. Russian pizza, rock-hard black crust, vodka-sauced and shredded newspaper. Canadian pizza, donut crust, crushed ice, maple syrup, and a Molson sauce. Casurium, which is a food additive made from beaver glands. Nanamio bars and poutine. Chinese pizza. All the least edible parts of a duck and a hell of a lot of bright orange colored sauce. And rice, of course. And then finally, there's the 1980s Ethiopian pizza. It's just an empty plate, but all the biggest bands come out and sing about how they wish you had pizza. Ken, that's probably offensive. But hell, I read it, so now it's my fault. I want to thank everybody who makes this show possible and is also uh, culpable for uh, Ken's culturally insensitive jokes. The Gen, PD Rave, non-specific rock and roll, Martian Joe Acosta, well, James the OG Brito, well, and Chris. You can email me, jurydaily at gmail.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Justin R. Young, and you can join our Discord at bit.ly slash jurydiscord. Until next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young telling you to please Give us a round of applause for Mr. Wacky, but more importantly, please.
No. No. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>